Yeah. So would it be like, um, do you like um, thin crust or? Uh... Is it cool if your uncle <laughs> betrays you? Hello, and welcome to Dungeon Chatter. This is Travis. This is Victoria. And today, we're talking about O. Or Origins. You've tuned in to the Dungeon Chatter <laughs> podcast. Uh, and what we do on this podcast is we take a look at RPG creation and design, concept by concept, alphabetically. Today, we're talking about origins. Mm -hmm. The way we do this is to begin with just an explanation of what the concept is. So what do we mean by origins? Then we look at how certain games handle origins. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we talk about how we propose to handle origins in our game. <laughs> We're being joined by Tiny. Tiny. <laughs> and then uh, as we talk through those concepts, uh, we then enter the mode known as Hack und Slash. Yeah. Yeah, hack and slash. Yeah. And um, then we leave you with Victoria. Yep. Yeah, yep. You just get to keep me. I, yeah. I stay there. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, so that's the plan. And uh, we had a nice rap sesh uh, yesterday mm -hmm. in which we talked about uh, what, we're t what we mean by origins. Uh, and so uh, we're going to focus on uh, character origins, mm -hmm. really. Um, and we're going to focus on this in kind of three stages. Um, so prior to session zero, uh, by the end of session zero, and then between session zero and session one. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe we should start off and explain uh, what all that means. Yep, sounds good. All right, so when we talk about a character origin, Victoria, what do we mean? Uh, backstory is yeah. mostly what we mean and I think most people have a good sense of what a backstory is uh, so it's the the stuff that happens before your group gathers together at the table and what made them become an adventurer what their motivations are things like that yes and what we mean by session zero is um, if session one is the first time that you actually sit down to play the game then session zero is a kind of preparatory session. Um, and this could be the very first time that your group ever comes together. Um, and so what makes it a session zero is you're not officially playing the game yet. You're just getting ready to play the game. Mm -hmm. And um, we dealt with some of these concepts uh, or some of the things that you do in a session zero, I think previously when we talked about... Um, uh, character creation. Um, and I think it might have come up one other time. I think twice more. It came up in J for Justice in mm -hmm. those kind of preliminary talks yeah. that you could have uh, about what's sort of on the table and what's off the table. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in minigame, uh, we may have talked a little bit about um, downtime and possibly mentioned session zero then. Yeah, we definitely talked about downtime then. Sure. Okay. Uh, so that's the plan, or that's what session zero is, and we're going to be thinking about um, creating your character's background and what you should have. So by the time you show up for session zero, mm -hmm. uh, what, you sh what should be worked out uh, by the end of session zero, and then really what should be ready to go by the start of session one. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and we did a little bit of research yesterday. We looked through some books. Uh, kind of, for me, it was good to refresh my memory on what a lot of books lack uh, by way of character background. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, we took a look at um, what Pathfinder. Pathfinder, yeah, which I've never played, but we own a book. I guess it's Austin's. Uh, no, no, it's yours? a gift from Lou. Gift from Lou. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, that's super cool. And mm -hmm. I ended up really liking some of the ideas and concepts that Pathfinder had. Even though I've never played it, just the how they lay out coming up with a backstory, I think was great for beginners especially. Yeah, cool. So, um, shall we begin then with the prior to session zero? Mm -hmm. um, okay, and so we came up with a couple points here. And so this might be one of those where we do a little bit of the, um, the pitch and the exploration of other systems at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, maybe I should just say, here's how... I'll just do it. This is how Middle Earth role-playing does it. So Merp does it this way. Um, they essentially say, start with a character concept. That's step one. Mm -hmm. And start with a character concept is sometimes a difficult thing. Yeah. Uh, but one of, the way, one of the things that made it very easy in Merp was if you would say to someone, come up with a character concept, um, the player would either have read uh, the Middle Earth books like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, um, or they wouldn't have, um, or they would have watched some of those movies, or they wouldn't have. And if they had consumed any media from the Middle Earth world, then it's actually kind of easy. You mm -hmm. might say, well, what character was interesting to you? Um, and if yeah. your answer was um, Aragorn, then we say, aha, you've got to make a Dunedin uh, ranger. You don't have to, but this might be a place where you, you want to start mm -hmm. seeing what you like about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and so on one hand, it gives you little guidance in the book but it has such a massively well-developed world yeah. that um yeah it, there's so much work that's done for you uh yeah so yeah. come up with a character concept is it, actually a difficult thing to do unless you have tremendously rich background material to draw from like in star wars i mean come up with a character concept it, i don't think it's that hard no. if you've seen some of the films like do you want to do you want to be on the Rebels? Do you want to be over here? Do you want to be a, a Force user? Do you want to be a whatever? You even know a bunch of different races. Yeah. Uh, so, the, again, just rich worlds uh, make that character concept piece a little bit easier. But now, upon the assumption that you're not playing Middle Earth uh, role-playing, yeah. you know, you could still draw from those characters. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, in any fantasy setting, you could say, I want to play a character kind of like Gandalf. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> in which case your GM would probably say, your character would be much weaker than Gandalf. <laughs> of course. Uh, I don't even <laughs> think level 20 in D&D is Gandalf level. <laughs> no. I think, if I remember, he might be like level 100 in Murph or something like that. Wow. Something like that, yeah. So you can always draw from those ideas. Yeah. Um, but here are some of the questions or here are some of the pieces of advice that we came up with. So prior to session zero... So again, session zero is you and your friends, whoever's going to be playing and running this game, so your GM and your uh, players who will be controlling the, the PCs, mm -hmm. you sit down together at session zero, or, or you do it virtually, whatever. You somehow or other come into contact with other people. Okay. Um, so we recommend uh, that you talk to your GM mm -hmm. about a couple different types of questions. Uh, so in general... Um, what is the type of game that you're going to be playing? So is it going to be fantasy? Is it going to be sci-fi? Is it going to be um, whatever, right? So what kind of game is it going to be? And then ask some questions or get some guidelines about um, technology level, mm -hmm. uh, magic level, mm -hmm. um, possible location. So where in the world will you be? 
Um, and you would have thought about some other pieces. I think, uh, I think like some political stuff, um, especially maybe some like, you know, uh, like tensions that might come about from making a certain type of character or not that mm -hmm. you might want to be aware of before you jump into that character. Right. Stuff like that. Um, and just uh, region if the, the GM has, you know, the world kind of fleshed out more why you might be in a certain region or not might be a big part of your, your backstory. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, um, so there are a couple of concepts that we're introducing here. And one of these is the distinction between a, let's say, um, an influencing narrative piece yeah. or a controlling narrative, or maybe a narrative influencing versus a narrative uh, controlling uh, piece. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the way to, maybe the way to establish this is by giving a few examples. Uh, so in one of the campaigns that we played when um, Scott was my DM, uh, we were going to be playing Slaves. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is how, what I view as a, a narrative controlling uh, piece. Yeah. Uh, so it, it massively, massively influences what's going to be going, going on in the game. So are we going to have our liberty to go to these places or, and do that kind of things? Are we going to be able to have property? Are we going to be able to do things like that? Um, those are, I, I don't know that they're constraints, but they just massively shape uh, what's going on in the game. Yeah. As opposed to influencing narrative pieces or narrative influencing pieces, which would be like, um, in general, like, uh, are you married? That That's going yeah. to influence. Um, do you have a family? Um, was your whole family killed? Uh, <laughs> was... Were they raped by goblins? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they're not going to, like, define, you know, what kind of adventures uh, mm -hmm. you have to go on or you can't go on. Uh, they might influence whether your character wants to do them, but it, it doesn't, you know, it's not a hard line for what the party can and can't do. And so since we are, since I've been rewatching um, Stranger Things season one, I thought a good example here would be um, Steve and Nancy. Is that really their names? Yeah, Steve and Nancy. Uh, yeah, so um, that they, they're in a relationship, um, at least at the beginning of episode one. Um, and so that's a narrative influencing piece. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're going to be spending some time together. They're going to have some kind of uh, relationship with one another. They're going to have maybe per uh, perceived duties toward one another, or at least things that they want to do for one another. Mm -hmm. Um, and they'll probably be spending some time, you know, devoting their energies toward that person. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, something like introducing a character like Eleven is a, it's definitely narrative influencing, but it threatens to be a narrative controlling piece. Yeah. Uh, because it, you kind of have to be like either on Eleven's side or against her once she's out in the world and, and is being hunted down, at least if you're in that town. Yeah. Um, so that was the kind of distinction that I, I thought about. Yeah, I mean, that's also um, narrative controlling in the sense that, I mean, she's got psychic powers mm -hmm. in a, a kind of modern day setting. Yes. Um, so in that sense, it sort of influences what is possible in the world or mm -hmm. um, defines whether or not Eleven can be a character if she's, if it's not a world that has those sort of psychic abilities. Right. All right, so we have this this first distinction that we're making is try to figure out what are what are some of the the we'll call them like soft guidelines, mm -hmm. uh, gentle boundaries, tender boundaries, tender, <laughs> tender boundaries. Uh, tender. Right. So, um, 
Rather than telling your players no uh, for things, just let them understand the importance of some of the decisions that they might want to make. Mm -hmm. uh, this doesn't mean you can never say no to your players. Yeah, for you can sure. absolutely say no to players and you can say no to DMs and you know you can just not play that game uh, or you can negotiate and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but we had a thought that in a kind of present day setting, suppose one player is set on just, I have to play, a, what was it, a demon summoner? A demon summoner, yeah. Uh, and so... No, anyone could be an unsuccessful demon summoner. Yeah. Um, that's not a huge problem. Um, but a player who wants a successful demon summoner in a present day setting, like it's just 2019 and all of a sudden, um, you know, they yeah. summon a demon. Yeah. Uh, that's a clear narrative controlling piece. It's going to so massively influence what happens in the game that there, there's no way around it. Uh, and so the, um, if the, the DM is going to allow that, if the GM is going to allow that, um, then they have to sort of explore, well, what does that mean for us? And, and mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a nice way, in calling it a, a kind of soft guideline or a, a tender gui uh, boundary or whatever we're calling it, <laughs> uh, what we're suggesting is uh, to say something like, you can do that, but you should understand like, that, that that doesn't happen. Uh, like that has never happened in this world. Mm -hmm. um, and if it happens, um, this could lead to people trying to hunt you down um, or it could lead to whatever. Yeah. And some players will view that as, oh, that's a cool role-playing opportunity yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. um, and others might think, that sounds kind of like, uh, like a witch hunt in the way that we think of a witch hunt. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what it is. Right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. so rather than simply saying no, you can sometimes let the player understand the, uh, the ramifications of their decisions. Mm-hmm. So that first piece that we talked through then, so we had some questions uh, for you to think about, some information for you to get from your GM. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're saying, uh, start thinking, you and the GM will sort of work back and forth on this to try to figure out what will be merely um, narr narrative influencing pieces mm -hmm. and what would threaten to be these narrative controlling pieces. Um, and do you remember the other um, idea that we came up with, which would be important yeah. for session prior to session zero? Yeah. So I think once you've established what kind of setting you're in, it's a good idea to come up with some sort of um, spark of a character, some sort of like kernel of an idea that you want to work off of. Because um, if you just go with, you know, the most average human being ever and then try to start adding uh, pieces mm -hmm. onto that, that's really tough. Yeah. So you've got to have some sort of hook that makes you at least a little bit excited to play that character. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was uh, what Merp, I think, was trying to accomplish with the, mm -hmm. uh, it lists, um, this is in the Merp, whatever the Merp rulebook is called, um, it, it lists uh, this character um, in the books was this kind of, uh, so like race and profession, that's what they call them. So mm -hmm. uh, this race and this profession, uh, just to give you a kind of guideline uh, for what you're thinking about. Yeah, and I want to say that it's especially um, all right to be kind of derivative in that sense, to, to like take inspiration from other sort of media that you like, especially when you're, you're new. Because uh, focusing too much on being original uh, can lead you to make some decisions that you don't actually have much interest in just for the, the novelty of the idea. Um, so I think like you can't, you know, uh, write off everything that's already been done before because a lot of things have been done before. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's all right to to take inspiration from outside sources. I also think a good idea, so um, Victoria thinks of this as a spark, and I think of it as the seed. Uh, and you're going to, you know, uh, start it and plant it and then begin nourishing it. And uh -huh. so um, if you might think of characters you like, like Conan is one of my favorite 
And then you might just put a twist on it, right? Yeah. So uh, Conan, but with machine guns. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then someone could say, oh, have you ever seen Predator? Because <laughs> that is that character. I was going to say, have you ever seen Machete? <laughs> uh, but not Conan, but kind of like Conan. Kind of like yeah. Conan. Um, so you can just put these little twists uh, yeah. on it. I think, uh, do you remember what... Um, uh, I was going to say in yeah. Pathfinder, yeah. Uh, there were a lot of those really good sort of tips in the, the player's handbook or um, whatever their, their player's handbook book is called. Uh, they were like... I think it was called Ultimate Campaign. Ultimate no. Campaign, yes, yeah. that was it. Um, and so there were a lot of like tips of how to add twists. Um, and it, like one of the general ones, and this is true of like any sort of brainstorming, is don't stop at the first idea that sounds good. Keep going and you can always go back to that first idea, but you'll probably find that you like idea number three or four or five uh, more than the first idea. Um, and another tip was um, if you find that you are a little too stereotypical, try to flip some of those stereotypes. Uh, like like Dad was saying, Conan, but with machine guns. It's clearly not, you know, the traditional barbarian. Um, and in that book, they had great examples of, if you don't want to be a stereotypical dwarven warrior who uh, uses a battle axe, it was like, you're a dwarven warrior, but you abstain from drinking, or you're a dwarven warrior, but you shave your beard for a reason. Uh, you're a dwarven warrior, but you only use like elven uh, weapons for some reason. Mm-hmm. So just maybe finding one or two little twists is enough to make the idea novel again. Yeah, I think that's plausible. Um, anything else uh, for so prior to session zero, having this kind of spark for what your character is or the seed of the character mm-hmm. um, being ready. The character to, seed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting ready to let it grow. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> gotta collect that seed. <laughs> okay, and so that's those are things to accomplish uh, prior to sesh zero, um, and then during sesh zero, you will actually encounter the people you're playing with. Normally, that would just mean you're sitting down with them at a table, um, but a lot of games are played virtually now. Um, so you know, maybe you're yeah. staring at your screen or hearing their voice or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're you're meeting however you're going to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you're not playing the game. You're getting ready to play the game. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, a couple interesting moves here, I think, are to begin. I'll talk about one way that you could begin. You can talk about the other way. So one way to begin is to just start off by uh, saying things that are publicly known about your character. Mm-hmm. So like um, anyone who sees you uh, would know that about you, like they would be able to see it about you, um, or anyone who um, has heard of you would know mm-hmm. this stuff about you. Yeah. Um, and then each player could go around, we could go around the table and each player could throw out an idea, like just so you know, like I, um, I'm a weaponsmith, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not like some <laughs> weird secret that you have to keep. Yeah. So it's okay if people know that you're a weaponsmith. Mm-hmm. Um, or I, I don't know much about myself except I'm like seven feet tall. Uh, <laughs> and if that's your character, yeah. then that, that's a good start. Yeah. Um, and then you had another thought. Um, so my first thought was um, maybe try to make connections with the other players. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that might inform how you develop some of those finer details. Um, and you had suggested that that might be problematic if you want to try to keep secrets. Of some sort in the game, or if you you don't, if you want some things to still be kind of private so it can be revealed later, uh-huh. which which makes sense because if you're you have to find connections, you have to know a lot about the people to realize where those connections are. Right. So I was thinking maybe that might be a good place for the GM to be like, hey, so you know what my character is like a bit 
-hmm. Are there any other characters you would suggest, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you could discuss with that character what you want them to know about yeah. you and what you want to know about them, that sort of thing. I think this is one of the really um, important roles for the GM to play in this mm -hmm. session. So although it's largely for the players, like this one really important piece that's going on is the players are fleshing out who their character is. Um, but at the same time, the GM is trying to figure out who these characters are and why they would be working together yeah. um, and what kind of things, what kind of goals they're going to be going after because the GM is the one who's going to craft a lot of the uh, scenarios and mm -hmm. the, uh, yeah, the, the, the things that they'll find themselves doing in the future. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's right. Um, there are, yeah, so thinking about things that people might know about you, thinking about different connections, the GM can make a suggestion in private. Yeah. Um, I think it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is also a good time uh, to get some clarity on certain things. Like in some games, there are uh, tensions of different types. Um, there, are, there are sometimes racial tensions. Um, I think that the Middle Earth movies handled it in a pretty lighthearted way. There was yeah. there was some elf versus dwarf stuff, which is not yeah, uncommon. It was handled jokingly in the movies for sure. Um, tossing the dwarf. Yeah. The, the, right? Uh, and, and they're like, they would count the people they killed. Mm -hmm. I remember that one for sure. That was in the book. The killing, the counting was in the book. I don't remember. It was also in the movie. Yeah. They're yeah. in the, mm -hmm. uh, the third movie, I think for sure. It was definitely a main part of it. And, uh, uh religion. Yeah. Religion. Uh, so mm -hmm. This is, and so the way I put this in my notes was to get clarity on some, again, some soft boundaries. Uh, so if you're familiar with Forgotten Realms, there are a ton of different um, religious so deities that you could you could you could worship these different deities mm -hmm. um, and or deities whatever. And so uh, you could worship those, but if you say, "Hey, I want to worship," you know, this god uh, like Siric, I think, or Bane, like these are evil gods, possibly gods of the dead. Um, is that going to be a problem? Um, and it might well be if you're the evil uh, priest in a party with you know, a lawful good paladin, mm -hmm. um, this could be a problem. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean the party can't happen, but it might mean that someone has to keep that on the down low uh, or they have to have a fantastically good reason uh, for working together. And that could make a really cool party yeah, dynamic. Yeah, could, for sure. It's also good to know just um, what sort of the world, uh, you know, mm -hmm. view on some things is before you, because if you kind of unknowingly create something that... Uh, will cause issues in the town that you start in at the very <laughs> least. It's going to be a little rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember a long time ago, um, there was a, uh, there was a, a famous quote and it was, uh, something happened in the adventure and there was a kind of, uh, joke that was made. And one of the, uh, towns like, uh, constabulary said, sodomy is a crime punishable by death, mm -hmm. uh, in this town. I mean, that's probably something you might want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, so if you're, if certain, if, I, you know, so if certain lifestyles uh, are going to be punishable by death, mm -hmm. that might be something you want to know. Um, and, it, and it might be the kind of thing you could negotiate on or just maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe argue yeah. with your GM yeah. a little, a tiny bit. Yeah, that was something that none of us knew prior to the adventure. <laughs> it would have been nice to know that. Um yeah, so uh, race, religion, um, political climates. Yeah. If you've like, if you're working class in a town of upper class, mm -hmm. um, that's a good one. Stuff like that. If yeah. you're a rogue, uh, rogues are just going to be controversial in a lot of places. So I think the rogue, uh, the rogue thought is a really good one. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
in some places, you know, you might introduce yourself as I am so-and-so, the rogue, <laughs> or I am so-and-so, the thief. Um, and in other places, you might not be a thief. You might be like the guide or the scout uh -huh. or the whatever. You know, the, the merchants, <laughs> yes. uh, bodyguards, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. And so these aren't all about these kind of very serious. They're not all. We're, so we're not just saying explore these uh, issues delicately because they're about race, religion. It's it's not that. It's just what are the kind of things that are going to pose yeah. strife uh, for inside the party or with the party interacting with the people around them. Yeah, and we're definitely not saying like try to avoid these sort of confrontations or tensions um, because they make the game difficult or anything like that. Those might be what make the mm -hmm. game fun or make absolutely. you more invested in a character. So I just wanted to, to clarify that. Yeah, absolutely. And then, in addition to exploring the relationships within the party, also think about uh, potential NPCs that the party yeah. could connect to. And and this can work both ways. So um, players have come to me and said, um, if I want to be... So guilds is a really important part yeah. of the one, if our Blood of Heroes campaign. Uh, and so different people have come to me and said, my, my character is an apprentice or is a master or wants to be an, a master. Um, who are some of the NPCs that this character would know or should know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and and that's yeah. actually really cool for both of them. So now they get this kind of interesting background as a player. Um, and the uh, GM also gets to fill in some details, like knowing some of these questions that we asked last time, like mm -hmm. what NPCs are you, am I going to have to know? If someone's a, an apprentice, then you have to know their master. And if someone's a master, then you have to know their apprentice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And especially for apprentices, like that gives the, the group opportunities to fulfill missions and things for that, that guild that they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, good, good adventure hooks. Yeah. I mean, guilds are a really cool social structure yeah. uh, piece if you're kind of building a campaign world. Uh, they can do a lot of work for you. Mm -hmm. Same with religions, things mm -hmm. like that. Anything that's got sort of a hierarchy. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, then there's a question uh, about, well, just one thing to keep in mind here is that some of these things, again, can be set out in public and other, other of these things should be kind of private. If you um, want to keep them private. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, I mean, realistically, yes, they, they should be private for the sake of um, preventing metagaming or avoiding it or, you know, having the fun of the reveal for other characters. Mm hmm. Yeah, I you know that's a good point. There were there are these two posts that I've seen on Twitter recently that um, you know they really made me wonder about this. So uh, one of them was about so one was about the uh, spo the the spoilery thing, right? So uh, someone posted something like um, quote this is a quote right? So um, I I don't need to see the Mona Lisa because someone explained it to me. Yeah, and then this. You know, and, and then this person said, uh, like, that's how I feel about spoilers, right? So the idea is, like, if it's a great work of art or something, it can't be spoiled because it'll be so awesome when you see it. Mm -hmm. um, maybe for things that have to be observed, right, to, like, seen to believed or uh -huh. something like that, but, but not for plot points and not for cool reveals about characters, yeah. right? So um, to, to say to someone, uh, oh, and by the way, that's Luke's father. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're like, well... It, yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Uh, I yeah. would have, you know, I would have liked to see that in the moment. Uh -huh. I'm sure it would have been, you know, more powerful. There's another, there's a another. I don't know how to put this even because I, I, uh, I think it's become pretty common for people to go for a kind of rejection of some of maybe what are viewed as stereotypical character yeah. backgrounds. 
uh, weak, stereotypical character backgrounds? Possibly. I think it's also like a, a rejection of edgy, quote-unquote, things. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of um, people are of the mindset that edgy doesn't always mean good mm-hmm. anymore. And oh. it's kind of taking that a little too far. Like, it's true. Not everything that's edgy is good just because it is edgy. Mm-hmm. But also this, like, you should try not to be edgy anymore sort of mindset that I think is going a few steps further than what the, you know, the actual premise is. So this is all very mysterious, what we're saying now. So let's make it very complicated. <laughs> let's explain all of that. Uh, so there are a lot of um, fantasy heroes uh, who have this backstory. And it's not just fantasy heroes, just heroes in general. They have this yeah. backstory, which is um, they're the last of their kind because everyone in their family or village or whatever was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were kind of thrown out into the world alone. And that's part of what made them what they are. Yeah. Um, it's that backstory. It's the backstory that is present in a version of the conan story it's like um the chronicles of riddick that's sort of his story um i'm sure we can think of tons more it's pervasive yeah Yeah, that's for sure um and it's the background of a lot of uh, rpg characters just yeah uh it and there's a reason for this i i think it saves you from having to do all the the kind of bookkeeping right Uh, so it's going to play two important roles one of them is that you don't have to come up with a story uh, about your background. Then, like you don't have to flesh out the the details of the relationship and things like that. Yeah. But another one is that it provides a really straightforward answer to the question, like why would this person be adventuring? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if everything that you had of value was taken away, um, then you might have a revenge story, or you might have a fitting in story, or a whatever that's mm-hmm. kind of neatly laid out for you. Um, on the other hand, if you have an awesome home life. Why are you going out? Yeah, if you've got, you know, responsibilities at home, mm-hmm. why? I mean, that, that can be a really great narrative point sure. for sure. Uh, but, you know, the vast majority of normal people don't do that, you know, don't right. run away from their problems. So, well, <laughs> well don't run, a, don't like go adventuring to solve yeah, their that's problems, true. right? That's so true. They, yeah. they do other things mm-hmm. to avoid or solve the problems. Yeah. Um, Right. So. Yeah. And true. Yeah, I, I hadn't really put much thought into that sort of like that makes it so much more complex because you have to keep track of, uh, you know, your family's, mm-hmm. you know, backstory too, and not just your own. Yeah. And then, it, you know, uh, everything that could be a strength can also be a, a kind of uh, problematic point. Uh, so um, if you have a, a cool, loving relationship uh, then you have to worry about protecting it. And that might be fine, but then mm-hmm. it becomes a danger, right? So is the GM allowed to um, threaten, yeah. threaten the family? Can that become a plot point? Uh, because I've seen people on Twitter kind of complaining about when GMs meddle with, as they're seeing, like they come up with this really cool background story, and then the GM meddles with it by having someone be a, a betrayer or something like that. Or killing off someone, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not recommending that a GM do this and just kill off your family um, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's if that's off the table, that's probably something that people need to know immediately. Like that's one of the things to talk about in session zero. So for sure, if you say like, my one true love can't betray me, uh, the GM could be like, very well, your second most beloved <laughs> person can betray you. That's true. Uh, or, yeah. or, right? Yeah, and that's definitely something that is on the player, not the GM. Because if the GM starts asking questions like, hey, is it a right if, yeah. you know, your lover fucking <laughs> tries to murder you in your sleep but ruins the whole plot point? So it's oh. on the player in that situation to set those boundaries for the GM. Oh. 
Yeah. So would it be like, um, do you like um, thin crust or... Uh, Murder. Is it cool if your uncle <laughs> betrays you? <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> all right. So I think that pretty much handles the, um, mm. the major things uh, that you should do by the end of session uh, zero. Each character, uh, each player should develop their character to that point. Mm -hmm. And it will give, um, so now by the end of session zero, each player should have a much better sense of who their character is. Um, also, um, how their character fits with different relations. You can't see what I'm doing, but I'm moving my hands around like I'm playing, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm playing like, dominoes or something, moving dominoes around. I guess. Uh, uh, so the different interconnections uh, in the party. Yeah. Um, and now the GM should have a lot of interesting stuff to work with. So mm -hmm. we'll know uh, a lot of info about the characters. Yeah, um, we'll also know about um, their connections. We'll know some of their motivations and their fears and things like that. I think um, motivations and fears are something that are important to be worked out. And, and again, the seed for them should at least be planted by the end of session zero. Mm -hmm. uh, and a good bit of that should be fleshed out by session one. So that's mm -hmm. the third step we're going to move on to now. Yeah. Um, so what is it? after you leave session zero and you're going into session one. So session zero is the, we all got together and we kind of rolled up our characters. So that's what we're doing. We're ready to go with that piece of it. Um, session one is the first time you actually sit down to play. Mm -hmm. um, so what should be happening here? Um, and I have a couple wild ideas. Um, you should know um, what your character goes by, like what their name <laughs> is uh, or what their nickname is or whatever, what, what people are going to call them when, because very soon, very early in the adventure, someone will probably say, hey, what's your name? And you'll be like, oh, I didn't come up with a name. <laughs> yeah. Has that ever happened? Is there a reason that you're bringing that up so, um, so pronounced? Because I don't think it happens in any of the groups that we've played. Although we, we do regularly get our own names kind of wrong. <laughs> People get names wrong a lot. There was yeah. a really, I was looking through an old notebook and I saw this. Um, I ran a campaign of Middle Earth role playing when I was at Texas Tech. So like 2006 maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the players was a guy named, I'll just call him Rob. And uh, Rob uh, played a character whose name was either Garethathil or Larafaeus. I think he was Larafaeus. Um, and he came up, he came up to a city. So Larafaeus is his name. Keep that in mind. He came up to a city, uh, and let's just say the city was um, Castleberry. Uh -huh. Okay. He goes up to the city. <laughs> they ride up to the city, and one of the sentries yells to them like, "Who goes there?" And and he yells, "I am Castleberry." Like, what? And he's like, "I mean, Larafaeus." <laughs> uh, so he forgot his name. It was a classic moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't know if people forget their names, but I do notice that it's something that it's surprising to me when people don't have a name yet, like in the character creation system. So in the in the the process of creating their characters, um, sometimes it's one of the last things that I see people write down. Like I think mom comes up with uh, names very like on the spot. Um, she's gonna be Max. She's gonna be yeah. I uh, mean, <laughs> I know when we were doing for the um, the Blood Moon. Blood orange, uh -huh. blood, blood oranges orange. uh -huh. uh, thing. That was like the last thing I thought of because, uh -huh. yeah, especially when we, we were like sitting down and like we hadn't done much of the prep work. So mm -hmm. we were like kind of feeling out a character and then yeah. it was like, now write your name. And we're like, Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, you should know what you're called. Mm -hmm. um, you should have an appearance because someone will look at you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And so, and that's, that's actually, I think, a pretty common way that people 
uh, the players will be like, well, what do you look like? Uh -huh. uh, and, and so we want to know what someone looks like. Yeah. Um, what equipment do you have? And that's important for you as a player so you know what you have to work with. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're a stickler about this with the GM. Like, is it in the adventuring pack? <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so what's the stuff that you have? Because we want to know if in the middle of the adventure you say, oh, I pull out my bear trap. You know, like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that on the sheet, Harris? Yeah. Also, some games have... Um restrictions about like how much you can carry and things like that so it's also important to know that before you know you're in the middle of session one and yes. your gm suddenly asks you've got a lot of like darts <laughs> yeah <the> sling bullets <laughs> sling bullets <laughs> uh, and um why are you where you are mm -hmm. right so why would you be there um, and that's the thing that you and the GM can work out kind of back and forth, right? Yeah. Uh, so reciprocally. Um, and so I hope that what you're seeing here is that um, of the three stages we've talked about so far, only one of them took place like sitting at the table, right? Mm -hmm. So there was prior to session zero and, be and between session zero and session one, uh, which means that the players have to communicate with the GM and the GM has to communicate with the players. If either of those kind of stops... Um, then that's when a character stalls and that's when you come into a game and you have characters that aren't ready to go um, or you have a GM who has no idea why these characters would possibly be going to kill the skeletons that yeah. uh, that are there in the sewer or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some of the important things. By session one, you should know those things. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to all the other things we've talked about previously. That's true. And so I guess at this point, it's time to turn over to the pitch, right? Yeah. I mean, kind of. We've been going through the pitch, but yes, the, the official pitch. Yeah, so the official pitch is this. Um, I posted a blog, I don't know, in 2019, but I don't remember when, a while ago, so maybe in January, um, and it talked about forking paths. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was a kind of, uh, kind of like a hmm, choose your own uh, path, uh, yeah. right? So you answer these different questions, and it kind of leads you step by step uh, through creating a character. Um, and in our system, it unfolds in three stages. Uh, and so the first stage is like uh, your capabilities, your career, your training, and your hobby. And I think if you go back to C for character creation, yeah. uh, you'll hear a version of that. We have massively simplified it since then. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's that's the first stage, yeah. right? So, um, okay, so that's the first stage. Um, obviously, there's something missing there, which is the character concept. But that's funny. Like, to me, the character concept is so painfully obvious that... You just make it up on the spot and it's easy. But mm -hmm. I made a lot of characters. So um, you, you do NPCs, yeah, yeah. a lot. Um, so uh, we, I, I mean, a hack and slash pieces, we're definitely going to need something. Like we need this little piece to yeah. help people get there. Okay. Um, the second uh, stage is um, your major, it, so it's again, it's a, a kind of forking paths where you answer questions like yes and no uh, moving through and you, you come up with major accomplishments and failures. Um, and so uh, this is really important because it gives you a sense of um, why people might know you, mm -hmm. uh, what you might have to offer, um, and what are uh, some of the things that the GM could kind of pit against you uh, that would be effective uh, story pieces. And um, that it also feeds into stage three of the forking path, the final stage, which is fears and motivations, right? So mm -hmm. um, what is it that drives you um, and what is it that uh, makes you well, run away from stuff, right? So yeah. what, what do you go toward and what do you run away from? Um, and so that's the, uh, the general forking paths method that I've come up with. So it's uh, the capabilities, um, the accomplishments and failures, and then the fears and the motivations. Um, yeah. 
And if you're thinking about session zero, uh, so these three phases that we've talked about, um, I think you could probably have your uh, capabilities reasonably well fleshed out uh, totally on your own. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Your accomplishments and failures, you could have that almost entirely done. Your fear, you could do all of this prior to session zero um, and then maybe just tweak as you talked with the other characters yeah. about what was going on, the other players, sorry, about what was going on. Uh, I will say, I think capabilities, like your your vocation and stuff, uh, are maybe something you have to get some sort of feedback from the, the GM to mm -hmm. know what's, what's available in the yeah. area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a place where a good um, campaign setting book uh, or guideline can really do a lot of yeah. work for you. So That's if, true. Yeah, so um, I think... There's a campaign source book maybe uh, for Forgotten Realms that was really good at this that kind of laid out the different cities and told you about the different types of people um, and it gave you a good sense of organizations you might belong to and other things like that. That's, mm -hmm. that's really awesome stuff. Yeah. And again, having a well-developed world, um, that's what that can do for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Um, okay. Um, and so notice that if you're the GM uh, and now you know all of your player characters' um, general capabilities, their accomplishments and failures, and their fears and motivations. Now think about the way that you can weave those pieces together into interesting stories uh, for mm -hmm. people where you know that there are moments where, um, oh man, they're going to be so excited when they find this, um, mm -hmm. or oh, they're going to be so bummed out when they, mm -hmm. when they see or this. Or this is going to be such a dilemma because, you know, yeah. different parts of the party, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so this is the way, right, so when the players do their job on that end, then it becomes, and it's not just them, right, they get feedback from the GM as they're doing that, mm -hmm. but then the GM gets all this really cool uh, stuff to work with, all these cool, like, plot points or ideas or whatever, mm -hmm. parallel storylines, uh, dilemmas, all that kind of cool stuff. Um, and that's when you can make some really memorable um, campaigns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, then, we'll turn it over to Victoria for Hack and Slash. Yeah, I mean, so you, you addressed this as it came up, um, but so for the, the Forking Paths, the first time we went through it step by step altogether, um, it was really tough mm -hmm. to just like, all right, I got this piece, but I don't know what like my motivations would be as uh, I ended up playing like an EMT. And so I was like, oh, oh, yeah. I don't, what are my motivations besides, I don't want to just save everyone. I don't mm -hmm. want to be one dimensional. Um, so it definitely would have helped to have a tiny bit more guideline or at least just an acknowledgement that it will help you so much more to have that spark or mm -hmm. that character seed. I like uh, spark. Mm -hmm. I like spark. We should come up with um, something that fits the acronym SPARK, spark. Uh, to help you come up with this kind of kernel of what your character is. So it will mm -hmm. help answer some of those questions. Like, why would I, what, what, what does my EMT want to do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Save the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, other hack and slash things. Let me think about this. For you a think, second. and then I'll respond to that. So I, I think that that's definitely an area that's that's lacking here, and this is because it's a you know, um, like an infant world, right? So there's that uh, is essentially set in like this world, but with some supernatural stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think I've blogged about this a little bit, right? So the difficulty of introducing the first supernatural elements into a world that it otherwise has no supernatural elements, it, it makes for some difficulties. Um, and um, getting characters that um, would be perfectly well-functioning in the real world to also want to engage with supernatural stuff is kind of tough. I think a real-world experience, uh, a real-world um, response to the supernatural, if it were to occur in this world, would be to um, ignore it mm -hmm. 
And then, or, you know, justify it some other way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, and that wouldn't make for the most exciting of adventures. Like, okay, uh, I go home. And you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so that's a challenge. And that's, that's a special challenge for that one. Um, so for the, uh, the spark, I think maybe we, we should work on something. Mm -hmm. um, and having a well-developed uh, world in place, that's, you know, that's, that's crucial, I think, for this first stage then. So the prior to the capability stage, uh, having that character concept, that character spark. All of these are things that can be talked about kind of back and forth, like accomplishments and failures. Um, I think there's this, um, you know, one, one tendency is for the um, player to want to swing too big or too small, right? So um, accomplishments, well, I haven't really done anything. <laughs> sure you have, right? Mm -hmm. um, the character has always done something. Um, and so whatever counts as an accomplishment in their life, like that helps the GM. Mm -hmm. So the kind of things that you identify like... Um, uh, graduated high school on time uh, might not be a big deal to a lot of people, but if that's something that this character um, identifies yeah. as an accomplishment, then that's something that matters to that character and it's something for the GM to work with. In that same vein, and I know this might be kind of frustrating, it might be very telling then if a character, I mean, and I know that this might just be like a player not understanding the, the whatever, but if a character feels like, oh, I haven't accomplished anything, but they should still come up with something that maybe others see as an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Those yeah. are both very telling. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. I think that's right. Um, and that that's the kind of swinging too small, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, nothing I did really matters. <laughs> I'm a f***ing medical neurologist, yeah. whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like Buckaroo Banzai who had, you know, who was like the samurai uh, doctor uh, who musician. Who broke the land speed <laughs> record in the beginning. For... <laughs> Physicist, yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably too much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just right. <laughs> uh, so, so that's a lot, and and it might be too much for uh, some campaigns. Mm -hmm. um, might not be too much for some other campaigns. Um, hey, is it okay if my character? Um, okay, this is not a pet peeve. I actually kind of like this, but this happens in, um, I think, in Magnum PI. Like the, I don't know about the new one. I don't know, but. The one with Tom Selleck. Um, at some point, someone says to him something about he's showing off the moves that won him the Heisman. So it turns out that he won the Heisman Trophy for the best player in college football. Oh, in his, <laughs> um, and that's not a super defining feature <laughs> all the time. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. So in addition to just you know being a PI who hangs out in wherever he Hawaii? was. Hawaii? No, um, no, no. Malibu? That's um. I don't know. I don't know. This that's bad that I don't remember because I used to watch it all the time. But he's always wearing Hawaiian shirts. No, uh, that's 5 0. 5 0 yeah. is what I'm thinking about. Um, so, wherever he is, he's probably in Malibu. Somewhere tropical esque in the US. Um, at any rate, it, yeah. So, oh, and yeah, he also won the Heisman. And, or in like Quantum Leap, one of my favorite shows, but Sam Beckett, the main character there, had something like seven doctorates. Oh. <laughs> and he wasn't 90. <laughs> no, he was probably in his 30s when this series started. So. <laughs> A great character, but that's a lot. Yeah. Um, and so maybe we'll have a, we have a, a kind of thing in our system that manages some of these by pitting, um, you can take these kind of, um, what do we call, we call them like titles and they come out of your accomplishments and failures. Mm -hmm. uh, so you end up with these titles and titles give you like um, rights and also responsibilities. So you mm -hmm. have to balance those. So if someone says, hey, is it cool if I'm the president of the United States? You're like, sure, but you can't adventure then, right? Yeah. Like, like you got too much going on. Like you don't yeah. get to 
skip away uh, to investigate ghosts for three nights a week when you're the president. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. So uh, we have a way that like a, a kind of attribute that we're working on that balances those things. Uh, so you can start off with some lofty things, uh, but they have to be balanced by responsibilities that might make your character unplayable. So they kind of discourage you from doing those things. Um, oh, um, a hack and slash on that. Do you have um, an in-game like rule set for how to, like, so I'm fucking president of the United States, but you still go out and you know ghost hunt three nights a week. <laughs> <laughs> like, is there? Do you lose being the president? Like, or do you like? Are yeah, there some in-game penalties uh, beyond yeah. that? Because in the real world, it wouldn't just be like you're no longer the president. It would be like you're fucking indicted or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, you can lose those titles, um, mm -hmm. and then you lose the uh, benefits that come with them. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, um, some of the we need a way of quantifying this stuff. And I have this system where like um, each level is like a, a higher, like 10 to the next power. So um, if you have a, a one, you're it's essentially like a one person thing. Like you have this very minor role, but if you're at level two, then that's like 10 people who are mm -hmm. your underlings in some way. Level three would be a hundred. Um, so president would be this massive, um, massively high uh, characteristic. But it also gives all kinds of awesome perks. Like you'd have this decent income. Uh, you'd have security around you all the time. You'd have all this. In, you you could um, call meetings and just have people give you dossiers full of intel about mm -hmm. whatever. So you'd have just crazy amounts of intel and other things like that. Co cool resources to use. Mm -hmm. um, but then, I don't know, like how many hours a day? Eight hours a day? Ten hours a day? You're in meetings or something yeah. like that? or. Um, so there would and have you're to be some always kind of... kind of expected to respond to anything that happens. Uh... And good luck trying to sneak around into, <laughs> right? So the president sneaks into like, the cemetery and is digging it up. Like, no, like here's, no. here's live video of her doing that. <laughs> the helicopter footage. Yeah. Um, so uh, there were there are some problems associated with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I need to I need to quantify it better, uh, but that's what I'm going for. Right? Cool. So uh, a way of doing that. Um, all right, so we talked about um, the pitch as uh, the capabilities, the accomplishment of failures, the fear and motivations. Um, so far we have in the hack and slash, um, we have we need this prior piece, which is, I like Spark. I like thinking of it as a Spark. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because I'm playing um, XCOM 2 and there's a character in my party whose name is Spark. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a robot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, <laughs> what else? Uh, I think that's it. I think that's all I could come up with oh, cool. for Hack and Slash. I think this is one that we should, you know, we'll continue to think about this more and more. Um, I have a ton of experience doing these kind of things. This is actually nice. Do you remember the two kind of um, market groups we're going for? We have the... Yeah, the, the vet, the, the chiseled vet. <laughs> chiseled. <laughs> the grizzled vet. The goddamn cheekbones. <laughs> <laughs> the grizzled vet. The grizzled vet and the... I don't know. Uh, something newcomer, right? Yeah. I don't remember oh, what the... <laughs> the newbie. The noob. Um, and so uh, for the, the grizzled vet, um, that, that spark piece probably isn't especially important, except for a really cool um, setting piece. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to play one of the um, the writers of Rohan, right in Merpian, right? So it gives you these cool like oh, I want to do that, 
mm -hmm. very specific thing. Um, so it's beneficial, but not necessary uh, for the grizzled vet. But I think that this is something, an area where um, maybe you struggle a little bit with RPGs is like the, the coming up with the character. Mm -hmm. um, so what's my character going to be like? Uh, so maybe we should come up with a spark piece and try it and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, and then if it works for Victoria, then we'll turn it loose on the rest of you. And then, you know, you can, uh, we can find some people who are like, I struggle to come up with character concepts and whatever. Uh, we, sh we could show it to them and see mm -hmm. what they think. Sounds so that's good. a possibility. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Wow. Good. All right. Um, shall we do some recap? Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, so uh, O was for... Origins. And so we were focusing on that character background. Like, where does your character come from? Um, and in terms of exploring the concept, we, look at these, we looked at these three different areas, right? So mm -hmm. um, what should you do prior to session zero? What should you have done at the end of session zero? And then what should you have uh, prior to session one? Mm -hmm. um, and so we came up with ideas. Some of the concepts, the supplementary concepts, were that distinction between narrative influencing uh, events or facts and narrative controlling uh, events or facts. Mm -hmm. um, we came up with that concept of the character spark. Mm -hmm. I, like, I like that. I like that too. See, it is a lot fun to say. A lot of fun to say. Yeah. But... Spark captures it, right? Yeah. So like, that's like the, the glowing essence of the character. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, by the end of session zero was mostly thinking about um, connections and um, who you are. How you fit into the world, I yeah. think, is really important. That's a good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. um, and um, by session one, what you're called, what you look like, what you have on you, and why you're there. Um, and we didn't stress this earlier, but I want to stress that that's something that, um, as a GM, um, the sooner the players can give that to you, the better. Mm -hmm. uh, there's There are not a lot of things that are more frustrating than getting what the party wants to do and then preparing all that. And then you sit down and the party's like, hey, actually, we want to do this other thing. And you're like... That's true. Uh, it's frustrating because, you know, normally I had really cool ideas that I wanted to flesh out. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you let the party do what they want to do. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes that means they die. Yeah. Or they go fight dragons. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then, you know, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, I, I did want to mention that um, uh, the why are you where you are uh, mm -hmm. portion might be something that the GM just takes control of uh, for... Um, and then that's totally fine. You can still give them the backstory of, yeah. you know, where you were the last moment you knew where you were. And then when you come in for session zero, mm -hmm. the, the GM might have something in mind for why you're all together. If like what you gave him doesn't work, he might have to do some sort of twinkie. So twinking, twinking. I think that's, he might, <laughs> he might have to do some sort of tweaking. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that one of the uh, coolest ways I've ever handled the why are you where you are thing was in a, it was a narrative character creation thing, which is kind of what we have now, uh, but it was for that play by text game. And I may even have mentioned this in the episode in an episode earlier, but I, I, it was really cool. So I, I was running a zombie apocalypse game uh, play by text mm -hmm. um, and I would just message people and I would say, uh, you're on your way to a college campus. Why are you going there? Mm -hmm. um, and they would tell me that. Uh, so I. They didn't know, so they got to say why they were going there, but I told them where they were going. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how everyone got involved in the story. And, you know, and that 
that was a really fun campaign. Uh, yeah. We, we played, I don't remember for how long, but it went, it was, it was really cool. It, it was seemed one of the really, yeah. most enjoyable campaigns I played by text. I played like three of them maybe. Did you? Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a good one. Um, and then we switched over to the pitch and we talked about um, stage one, uh, which was the capabilities, your career, your training, your hobby, your whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, stage two, which was your um, accomplishments and failures. And then stage three, which is your fears and motivations. Um, and in general, if you can get through those three things, um, you're in really good shape and you you will know kind of how you fit in with your party, um, how you fit in with uh, the world, or at least your GM will know those things and your GM will have a good sense of uh, where you might want to go uh, mm-hmm. and the kind of challenges to put to you. And then in the hack and slash, it came out that we probably need a little bit more in the beginning. Some sort of, like we said, spark, uh, like lead through for you to, you know, brainstorm those ideas. Yeah. How to come up with a spark. Mm-hmm. Mm. Flint and steel. Uh, no. Nope. I, can't. <laughs> I couldn't okay. think of anything that wasn't flint and steel in some other form. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so that's what we've got. Um, I'm actually pretty excited about this because it's one area where I think that on one hand we have three pieces that address our concerns really well, and then we have this um, other piece that we obviously need. Yeah. And I'm actually really excited to work on that spark piece. Yeah, me um, too. Well then, Victoria. All right, Travis. I have been Travis. <laughs> I've been Victoria. And this has been Dungeon Chatter. Hey there, thanks for listening to episode 15. If you want more Dungeon Chatter, please check us out at dungeonchatter.com or follow us on Twitter at, at @dungeonchatter. And if you liked our show, it'd be super cool if you left a review on iTunes and told your friends who are also into RPG stuff, or maybe curious about RPG stuff, or maybe completely indifferent to RPGs entirely, but you think might still enjoy this. We definitely appreciate it. Our next episode, P for Perception, will be out in two weeks on Monday, May 13th. So we hope to see you then. Thanks again for listening.